Welcome to Hamstrings and Heartstrings, where running is great. Except when it's not. I'm Ellie. I'm Chris. And uh, today we're going to be running Ellie's pace. She's got a hot topic. She's a big boss lady with no microphones in her ears, nothing going on. She's a... She's a, a bad A today, so we're, oh, we got to keep up. That. I did forget those. It's okay. We got to keep up with her. Don't do it now. We'll keep going. Okay. Just all right. Sorry. I knew I was forgetting something. That's all right. Um, yeah, so it'll be my pace, but first, how was your week of running? Did you do any running? Uh, I ran on Thursday. Monday and Thursday, I think it was, um, you know, I keep saying it was a crazy week for work and that maybe next week's going to be less calm, but it sort of was, um, I think I, I ran, you know, five and a half on Thursday, um, I suffered last yesterday. I really wanted to run. I stayed up way too late on Friday night. I started doing house projects. Then I started watching Cure concert videos, and then before I knew it, it was 2.30 in the morning, and so I was like, huh, I should go to sleep. So that happened. Uh, so Saturday was kind of a wasted day, and today was a home project day. So whatever. We'll give it another whirl tomorrow. Got fresh legs for tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Tomorrow I think I'll probably take the day off. Okay. I'm going to run tomorrow. Uh I think I'm going to do tomorrow and Tuesday, and then I will um, have Wednesday off and then get ready for the old uh, COVID-19 virtual 19-miler again. Yeah. Streaking. Streaking. Oh. <laughs> one COVID, one virtual COVID-19-miler per month. <laughs> well, this weekend was Aravipa's virtual race. Or, yeah. Yes. And then um, there was another one by, I think, obstacle racer but it was like a 12 hour kind of like the backyard of a couple weeks ago but it was like a 12 hour five miles anyway mike wardian did it and he got third i didn't look at any other do you get did you get second um maybe on the bike (laughs) i've been doing a lot of biking i set up my bike with my trainer and so i've been very really enjoying biking this past week and it's been nice Biking, no running. I ran a little bit. Um, I'm sh- like, I think I had 44 miles this past week. So, um, yeah, enough to like, because I still love running. Um, enough to just you know grease the gears. And um, but I just I don't know. Getting on my trainer has for a little bit has been just nice, nice change, a little different. I watch Outlander, and um, nice. yeah, good. All right. Well, there you go. Outlander's not bad. Uh, we watched, unfortunately, Trolls World Tour. Do not do not recommend. Uh, two out of five stars. Would not buy again. Even um, even though it's a kids movie and kids like it, and there's a bunch of stars in it, I I thought it was uh, mostly terrible. Is what that is- a Disney Plus? No, no, it's a, um, it's a, it was supposed to come out in the theaters. This is a, a COVID home rental. It was supposed to, it was supposed to be a theatrical release. Um, but because they couldn't release it in the theaters and it's already ready already, you can, um, buy it like off of, um, uh, Apple iTunes or whatever. And you, and so it was a $20 rental. 
Um, because like it's you know going to a movie theater. So yeah, yeah, yeah. if you think of it, five. I mean, if you tried it, if we tried to take the kids to go see a movie, yeah, eighty bucks. Yeah, it's thirteen thirteen fifty a parent and nine twenty five a kid. So, um, so like we did, uh, we did twenty bucks and we had our own popcorn. But I thought it was a terrible movie. So. Yeah, um, I've been watching Outlander, which I've read the books. It's now on Netflix, and the books were fabulous. Um, and now that I have a little bit of extra time, I've been like watching one episode a day. And I'm really glad that I read the books because then I know when to close my eyes during like the rape and graphic scenes. <laughs> and so you can imagine I'm like pedaling away on this trainer, like covering my eyes. Like it's just a mess. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 don't do it. That's the part. Oh, no, that's terrible. You're not crashing, are you, at all? Oh, well, I mean, I almost rode into the wall, you know, <laughs> off my, uh, out of my second-story apartment. Yeah. So, oh, that would have been, you, but you get enough speed, you go right through the wall. Yeah, I just start flying. <sighs> but anyways, the reason I didn't like Trolls World Tour is not because it's childish and not a good movie, because that's why we bought it. We knew it was going to be a kid's movie. Um, I didn't like it. They basically villainized like rock music. They turned rock music into the evil one that wanted to kill all the other musics and like rid the world of all other music types and only have rock music. And I was like, that's just not really how it works, you know? Um, so that was what made me get off my lawn. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that's kind of weird. Yeah, I just think like one type of music, all, all musics can coexist. And they sort of said that at the end, you know, um, but it took, it was one minute out of a, you know, 80 minute movie where it's like, oh, look, rock and techno are friends now. And it was like, eh, no, boo. Mm-hmm. But anyways. I guess I won't rent that. So yeah, don't, don't bother. It was in the queue, but no, no. <laughs> no, two two out of five I'll stars. Watch Tiger King instead. Oh no, hard pass on Tiger King. Yeah, no, I don't. I've heard. Um, I was listening to the Connecticut Trail and Ultra podcast, and they were like raving about it, like ten out of ten stars. It's so American. It's terrible. And I was like, I can't do that right now. That's what every podcast that I've heard has said. Yeah, I'm like, I don't want to believe in the worst of America. Oh, God, that's exactly what I don't want. But people love watching dumpster fires. I know. Like, they absolutely do. Yeah. I'll take my dumb in the form of, like, stupid cat videos, and I don't know. That That's the dumb that I'll go to. All right, well, let's get into the main segment, which is, I was thinking about uh, all the races that have happened in the past couple of years. And, um, you know, on a lighter note, I I know that some races have gone well for you and for me. And so I want to know about a race that you trained for and that went really well for you and you completed. And it might have been hard. You might have had low points. That's not what I mean. I mean that you trained for and executed and finished and you feel still good about it. And, um, yeah, so I just want to know about that for you. Um, okay. So I, I was saying to you, like, um, if I go in the Wayback Machine, uh, there's some good races in the Wayback Machine. I can't say that I actually feel... 
like I, I have given a race in the last two years. I can't say that I gave any one of them a real good solid 16 to 20 week training period. You know what I mean? Like I just, it just hasn't been, that's part of the struggle is it just hasn't clicked for 16 to 20 weeks, but there was a time, there was a time when it used to, uh, used to work that way. Um, and so I think uh, 2015 is a pretty good year for a bunch of those races for me. That's doodly doo doodly doo. <laughs> We're going way back to. I really hope everybody knows this is a Wayne's World reference because if you don't, watch that movie and then come back and listen to our show. That's not the same. <laughs> it's not. It's different. <laughs> um, so 2015, um, that was when, like, so I was doing, uh, so, yeah, 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, I would say that those are good years for running. After in 18, 19, it sort of got a little rickety. So all those years when I was doing good training, um, I was doing, like, all the things. I was making smoothies, you know, for breakfast, not all the time, not like 100%, but it was part of my habits. It was part of my day. I was reading. I run far. I was, you know, I was reading, uh, listening to running podcasts. I was reading books. I was like full on into the culture, right? I was starting a podcast. I was going to all the races. I was volunteering or running them. I was like fully into the culture. And I think when you're fully into the culture, that's usually when you end up racing your best. And and I don't mean it like you have to you have to be social media darling or everything, but it's like when you're thinking about it all the time. You know, when you're driving and you're like um, you get to work and you're like, well I'm gonna stand up for a little while because you're thinking about how sitting for so long affects your running. You're thinking about the style of shoes you're wearing. Um, if you're sitting down and watching a TV, maybe you got your toe spacers in. But you're doing like all the tiny things, you know, and that's, to me, that's, it's not just hitting your training runs. It's doing, it's thinking like, how does this thing impact my run, right? Like um, all, all those different things is when, when I find that I was running my best, and okay, so let's go back there. <laughs> um, so I think I talk a lot about um, the power of the group, uh, and you talk a lot about that with your um, with your training, right? With your marathon trials and how you got your team and you got uh, Chelsea and you got the the gang, right? And your uh, you have yourself a squad. Well, I definitely had that crew and we would just do runs and we do hard runs together. We did our workouts together. Like maybe if we didn't even do them, we made sure we let each other know when we were doing them. And so I had that sort of group mentality, um, with our little crew of these, there's accountability there and there's working hard. Like I was running with folks that were definitely better and faster and stronger runners than me. And I was running to keep up with them because, you know, we're, we're the crew. So, like, we should all run together. I shouldn't be, like, in the back huffing and puffing. And so I would work hard to stay up with them. And one of the ones that I think is sort of let me know that what I was doing 
was working was the 2015 muddy sneaker. And so the way that this went down was in December of 2014 is when the registration for the first twisted branch opened. And, you know, I was dumb as a box of rocks and clicked the sign up button. I had never done a hundred K never did a 50 K never did, uh, you know, 27 miler. <laughs> I had run some marathons, but I had never run an ultra. So twisted branch was going to be my first ultra. And I signed up for that in December and twisted branch was coming up in August. So I had nine months to get my act together. Um, and you know, our little group sort of formed, we all sort of rallied around Mike Weldon. He was our, he was our ringleader we were going to train all the way up to Twisted Branch, but obviously we're trail runners and we're part of the Rochester running community. So we're going to hit a lot of races on our way to Twisted Branch, right? Like the Medved Madness 15 miler and the Muddy Sneaker 20, um, 25K and um, 12K. Yeah. Wow. Um, Muddy Sneaker, which would have happened yesterday if not for this damn virus, is a uh, 20K. So there, got that right. Which, by the way, that race is hard to get into, okay? So just for context, and I will run that race someday and not get lost with you and Mike Weldon in the snow. Um, I will run that race, except I always forget about it. But me, like, because I'm blessed, I sometimes get lucky and race directors are like, yeah, you can come and run, no big deal. Well, this race is not one of those races they will not let you in unless you register. So you know what? Next year, I will be on that register, <laughs> and you will Ellie's coming to Muddy Sneaker. All right, that's all I had to say. Keep going. So we were training up to that, right? And our sort of little training group formed over December and January. And then we were working. Like, we were legit, you know, there's five of us working our butts off. And one of the cool things it never had happened before. I mean, I guess people did it. I don't know. Maybe people do it all the time. Maybe I was just a rube. Um, but we had a little like team meeting gathering the night before the race, you know, and it's just a little trail race. And we all gathered up at Matt Bertrand's and we talked about strategy and we sort of hyped each other up. And we talked about obviously carpooling and what time we're going to get there and everything. But then the topic came to like expectations. And what do you think you're going to do? What do you think you're going to do? And I was like, well, I think I'm going to do like 210 or 215. And now this has got, it's got some big, long sustained climbs, like one and a half miles. Just, you know, you're running, but it's, it's at like an eight or 9% grade, you know? So you're running mile and a half up this, you know, maybe even more than, that. I don't even know. What do I know? Um, it's a lot of climbs and a lot of downhills and um, a two hour time is really considered like, you're at a different level if you're running twos, right? So I was like, yeah, we're on like 210, 215. And everybody around kind of like shook their head. Mm, no. And um, Laura Rackerth was like two hours tops, sub two. Yeah, And I was like, yeah, you know. And but she's got that like, like <laughs> stone cold, like. <laughs> two hours yeah. like when she says it you're like yeah, yeah. two hours yeah what yes that makes perfectly rational sense laura i will do that <laughs> um but the and but the reason was because she knew that we could do two hours because of all the work we did together right and so i guess like for me that was a big lever 
was just not like, you you know, just having really good running friends isn't going to make you a fast runner. But that little push and that little nudge, that's what sort of really kept me going, that little accountability, the somebody running 10 seconds, you know, faster per mile than you and you keeping up with them and you getting like PRs on what was supposed to be just like a, a threshold run. And you're like, whoa, you know, I just did my fastest five miles in, you know, and I didn't even mean to, and it didn't even feel that hard. And, you know, like those sort of things, because you're running with people and your, your friends see something differently than you see about your running. And that was really, oh yeah, that was really a huge deal for me. And you know what? It ended up that I, I, um, finished in 157, you know, and that was one of, uh, I, 157, I mean, it was, I was probably like 15th or 20th. I wasn't up near the top, but Mike Weldon won the race that year. And, you know, I, I came in quote second on our team, which is like weird. Um, cause that's definitely not a place that I'm used to being, you know, with that group of runners. So it is a lot of what your, your friends see in you, um, and I took that and I think I was at a point where I was receptive because I was able to believe it, right? Because I was doing all the running things. I was doing the smoothies and I was doing the reading and I understood um, where my heart rate was and et cetera, et cetera. And so I was able to believe Laura when she said, hey, no, sub two. So anyways, that was a big deal. So thanks for asking. <laughs> yeah, I... Yeah, well, I definitely agree with you on uh, your running buddies see more than you can. Um, when I was training for Hartford, it was kind of like every week we would do a workout. And it was awesome because like each week uh, I felt like I was just blowing my own mind. Like I couldn't believe I could do that. I couldn't believe I could do that. But like I sort of could because I saw my running partners, but like they're not me until so so it was like unlike you, I didn't really believe I could do it until I actually did it. But I had to fake like I believed it, you know. So it was like I'm gonna go out and do what I've been doing and execute. But even though I knew the exact steps I had to take to get there until I crossed the finish line. I didn't believe it until I crossed, if that makes any sense. Oh, absolutely it did, because I did not believe that I was going to break two hours in Muddy Sneaker, um, but I was properly motivated to do it. I had people that were like, yes, you can do this. And um, I also knew that they were going to be slightly ahead of me for the most part, and I had to catch them. So I ran at a pace that I thought, would get me there at two hours. But if you know, if anybody knows anything about Muddy Sneaker, the last two miles of this race are called the demoralizer. And you yeah, I took the road. <laughs> Garrett and I, we were like, take the road. Well. And then we waited for everybody for like an hour at the end. And we were like, we're hungry. <laughs> Garrett, let's go. There are people that in a, on race day can spend 45 minutes to an hour just on the demoralizer like that, you know. Um, so I left myself a decent pace. But 
But where I was, um, when I said like I ended up uh, finishing second, I saw Laura on the hill, on the demoralizer, and I caught I passed um, like Jeff Green, Mike Murtzak, and Laura Record all on the demoralizer, and I was all like, "Come on, guys, come on, let's go!" And they were all like, Rrr. "You know." And so I mean, I passed Laura probably with less than point two to go. And I finished at like 157 and she finished at 159, you know, you know, so like, it wasn't like I left myself. It wasn't like I had a uh, six minute PR in the marathon or nothing like that. But, uh, no, but course PRs are like a big deal. No, that 157 at Muddy Sneaker, that'll, that'll stand, that'll stand in my book for quite some time, you know? Um, it's not the fastest time by any means. Um, but for me, I, I don't know that I'll ever be able to break two again as that's a, that's a huge deal, you know? So, so let's talk about that race then, because that makes more sense. So I want to know what you did to like train for that race. Like when I trained for the marathon trials or when I trained for like many on the Jenny, uh, in 2018 was a really, really good race for me. Um, I was doing like, stuff on the track or like for many on the Jenny, I was going to true uh, treatment and doing like uphill, like half mile uphills and stuff. So like, what were you, were you guys doing stuff similar or was it more just like training for the distance? Um, no, I was definitely doing some of that. That's where I learned that I loved the, uh, 0.7 mile oval up on Cobbs Hill reservoir. Um, because, you know, Weldon had us doing 800s in the winter and I don't know where you're going to do 800s in the winter and get something good out of it. Um, and so I found Cobbs Hill, which is cleared most of the time, you know, and you're running around the reservoir, so there's no traffic, you know, and you can get decent hills running up to it and running down from it. And it's uh, 0.7. So you run your 800 and every time you do your 800, you finish at a different part of the reservoir. So you're not always getting back to the steps and stopping. You're sometimes three quarters the other way around. And so, yeah, we were doing 800s. We were doing hill repeats. We were doing uh, Bristol Mountain ups and downs. Um, And then, yeah, distances were um, back-to-back weekend long runs you know, 10 miles on, uh, 10 miles on Saturday, eight on Sunday, and then 12 miles on Saturday, 10 on Sunday, you know, so the, it got to a point where the distance, the distance wasn't the piece of the race that, uh, was the challenge. It was how fast could you actually do the race? Like what real racers do? It's, it's not that they're like, Oh, I hope I can finish this course or Ooh, first time ever doing this far. It is how fast could I cover this distance? I'm not worried about if I can do 12 and a half miles and, you know, 7,000 feet of climbing. Um, I'm worried about how fast I can do it. So it's similar. Similar. Because I know with the races where there's like, what about races that where there's like tons of hiking? I've talked to Laura Howard about this like a little bit. Do you go out and hike or like, I don't, so I don't for, I've never just like, I'm going to go on a training hike. So for Twisted Branch, um, there was a ton of hiking for me. It's uh, 65 miles, 11,000 feet up, 10,000 feet down. Uh, no, the other way, 10,000 feet up, 11,000 feet down. Sorry. Um, 
And there is a lot of hiking for me later on in that day. And so, yeah, I mean, that's more about that time on feet. That's where you do three hours on Saturday and your legs are trashed and you go home and you just eat and sleep. And then you wake up and you're going out again Sunday the next morning and you're starting off your run with your legs already tired and you know you're going to have four hours out there. So you have seven hours time on feet in two days and you start off that second day already, you know, in, in the tank. And so you're going longer than your body ever has. But if you stay under four hours, you're not doing a lot of physical, like you're not out there seven hours where you're depleting your body so much that it doesn't recover and you're starting to use dumb muscles instead of your good muscles and all that. So we did a lot of those like big, big Friday, Saturday, Sunday efforts where you'd recover overnight, but then you'd work again hard in the morning. Um, and those are really great for something like sneaker where it's long climbs and really long uh, descents, but you're running it. And I think if you go that, that deep into your legs for something like Twisted where you got big steep climbs, but you should do them at a pace, that's exactly what you want to be doing, you know. Well, that's good to know. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's something like Hard Rock where you're doing like hand over hand bouldering and stuff. I don't know that that type of training would help you with something like that. You know, I don't, you've yeah. done breakneck, right? No, I did escarpment and okay. there was a little bit of climbing up like that. Um, but I've since like blocked out that four hours of my life. <laughs> so uh, you're going to have to ask Amelia about that one. Um, well, that's cool. Yeah. Manitou's I feel like is, is a lot like that too. Yeah. Where your legs, you just need those real deep, muscles in your legs. You don't need fast turnover, but you need your muscles to like efficiently lift your body and know that even when they're tired, they can still do that. You know, like that kind of, uh, I don't know. I just call it like deep muscles rather than like, you know, fast twitch and quick muscles and like, um, reflexes and all that kind of stuff. You're not, you're not trying to do that. You're just, you know, sort of, it's a power thing, I think, more like an efficient use of power rather than a, um, you know, Corvette kind of thing. It's, I think it's a mental thing, too. Like, to me, I'd rather run for four hours than hike for four hours. <laughs> I know that sounds like very weird, but to me, I'm just like, nah, nah. Nobody says that they're going to go out for a 26-mile walk, you know? <laughs> like, Yeah. Nobody does that. <laughs> Unless they're a through hiker and then they add two more zeros to the end of that. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh, God. Well, that was part of uh, the book that I just read, um, Run to Overcome or Run. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, uh, Reborn on the Run is what it's okay. called. And she would like, she did like the PCT. And, you know, it's a, uh, it's definitely a different, uh, still really cool, but definitely a different uh, movement different body yeah run to run to overcome is also a book but that's meb's book and not catra's book oh oh <laughs> i don't know similar yeah yeah i mean both of them similar people i mean very similar they even look similar I mean. uh, they both have a deep they both have a deep love for running is what i'll say there 
Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And Meb, where he's like, I can't go 26.3 miles. That's what I've heard Meb say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I couldn't either. You've like, you've like, like fallen over at the finish line, Meb. Come yeah. On. If they move that finish line, he's not, he's DNFing. <laughs> he's done. Well, let's transition into our, uh, Last segment, which is everybody's favorite segment, the <laughs> food segment. What you been eating, Chris? Living off those go macro bars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man. I like the chocolate butter one. I got oatmeal chocolate chip, uh, granola coconut, and double chocolate peanut butter chips. Nice. Living off of those. Living. And um and a uh pan of lasagna. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I started watching some Gordon Ramsay videos the other day, if that counts. Like mental eating. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sure. Sure. You know, I wonder what he how he feels about go macro bars. Um, well, I mean it's a successful uh, small business entrepreneur who uses pure ingredients. How could he not like it? Sure. He's the guy that yells, right? He does on his TV shows, but watching, I've been watching the master class and he's got a super passion for food and he is a bit of a softy. Like you can tell it like he loves food. Like he gives it little hugs and stuff. You know, I think, I think that yelling stuff is part of a TV persona. He probably oh, sure. does. He probably does yell a lot because he's got some just casual swearness in him. You know, when he's talking, he's like, mm-hmm. he's like, <laughs> yeah. And he's, and of course he's, he's British. So he just uses swear words better than anybody on the planet, you know? So yeah, it just sounds 10 times better. Cause oh. it's like, you just swore, but like, it sounds elegant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you, yeah. and you use the most esoteric swear in the best way possible. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm eating. Uh, macro bar, go macro and Gordon Ramsay. Nice. What about you? What's on your, what's on your menu? Uh, queen, queen of kale. Oh yeah, I know. Well, I actually did just post what I eat in a day on my website blog. Cause I've gotten a, uh, that's the most frequent blog post people have asked for this past week. So I was like, gotta give the people what they want. Um, yeah, I've been eating a lot of expired salad from CTB. It's been very, very kind to me. Um, also past the sell by date salmon, uh, got to add that. So getting fancy, but what I've really been enjoying actually is my coworker star, gave me this pastry from CTB called a chocolate regal cake. And it's basically like chocolate fudge covered by chocolate more fudge. And it like melts in your mouth. And she gave me a whole cake. So I've had like four portions. And so I've been eating that for the past four days. And it's really, it's pretty good. I mean, it gives Ellie's hobo brownies a run for its money, but it should considering it's by like a professional pastry chef and like, not just things Ellie throws in the blender. Well, Regal versus Hobo. I mean, Hobo wins every day, but Re- Regal's got an air about it, right? Like, I mean. I feel like uh, that could be like a trail name, the Regal Hobo. <laughs> there you go. Yes. Bazinga. Window. Window. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. so we got we to... Gotta, uh... <laughs> 
Oh boy. Um, so that sounds good. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm so thrown off now. Uh, well, let's uh, thank our Patreon supporters. Um, 10 junk miles. Oh, we're, giving them, we're Nick- giving them second thanks. That's, that's very, uh, Why not? that's very regal of you. How benevolent. We, we only have three, so we can do it in two seconds. How benevolent of you. 10 junk miles, uh, my friend Nick and an, uh, anonymous benefactor, <laughs> an anonymous benefactor. Um, uh, yeah, I love thanks, that. Guys. Like, I love my friend Nick. Like, <laughs> you know, he's my friend. He's my friend Nick. He's my, my friend Nick. And then our Patreon, my enemy Nick. <laughs> um, if you if you would like to be uh, similarly impugned on our podcast, please go out to. Um, uh, patreon.com slash hamstrings and heartstrings. Uh, you can also find it in the show notes in this very podcast app that you're using right now. What else, Ellie? Where else are people going to find us? And if you want to f- uh, follow us, you can follow hamstrings and heartstrings on Instagram. You can follow Chris at running inside out. Uh, and you can follow me at gazelle. Two Z's. And with two Z's and two L's. And if you want to follow me in general, come down to CTB. Remember your mask because we don't let people in. They don't have a mask. Um, And you can follow me in real life. All right, Chris, till next weekend where we talk about books. Oh, yeah. Let's book it. Book it. Oh, that was a great (laughs) program when I was little. Book it and you got free pizza. Got those pizzas. Yes. Uh, Deuces. Bye.